cross that finish line, not only will we have built an incredible business, possibly the biggest beverage business, emerging beverage business of, of all time, but we'll also have created a, a, a brand that will have materially impacted the health of the American consumer and removed millions and millions of pounds of sugar from the American diet, especially in the most underserved communities. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I am excited today to share with you an interview with Yanni Huffnagel, who is the founder and CEO of Lemon Perfect, which is one of my personal favorite water brands. So I'm really happy to have you on the podcast and hear your story, Yanni. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Christy. Really excited to be here. Yeah, Awesome. So why don't you just give us a little bit of background on Lemon Perfect Water and tell us how you wound up doing this because you did have a pretty interesting path to get here. A crazy story for sure. But Lemon Perfect is just, you know, here at the top, it's a super refreshing, great tasting flavored lemon water with zero sugar. In every bottle you have electrolytes and 100% daily value of vitamin C. Gaining great traction in the market. We'll get to that here shortly. But, um, you know, I coached college basketball for 10 years. My last year I was at the University of Nevada in Reno and and I was on a recruiting trip to Santa Rosa Junior College. And from Reno, Nevada to Santa Rosa, California, you go through Petaluma at the, at the very tail end of the trip. And you can't see it here, but I've got a, I've got a black coffee next to me. So a big, big coffee drinker. And, and there was a Starbucks on the side of the road in a little strip mall. And I said, you know what, let me go. Let me go grab a, 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 an iced coffee for the rest of the trip. And out of the corner of my eye, in that same strip mall, I saw a sports nutrition store. And uh, it was a double header. So I, I walked in. I got a couple protein bars for the, for the games. And the man working behind the register, who's now become a great friend, he saw my Nevada basketball T-shirt. He said, do you work for the team? I said, yes, I'm an assistant coach. He said, my God, my dream is to be a strength and conditioning coach for an NBA basketball team. So, so I said, his name is Matt. I said, I said, Matt, that's, that's great. Let me know how I can help and, and let's stay in touch. And I gave him my cell phone number. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, he sends me a text. He says, what's your email? I said, you know, I gave him my email, my, my email address. And he sends me a draft of a book that he was writing with a friend called the Keto Jet Diet. Right. And this is this is late 2016. So really before keto was in the mainstream psychology of the American consumer. And I was searching a little bit to find my rhythm from a diet and training perspective. And I said, Matt, I'm in A through Z. Let's do it. And in the back of his book were all these these sample meal plans and and every day started by drinking organic lemon water in the morning. It was part of an intermittent fasting routine in, 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 in the morning. And, and it really became a non-negotiable part of my daily routine. And I hated it though, right? You have 
There's one Whole Foods in Reno, so go buy the organic lemons, right? Uh, cut the lemons, squeeze the lemon, juice all over the place, bland taste, cleanup process. And most mornings, I threw my hands up in the air. I said, this stinks, but I stuck with it. And I'm in the locker room towards the end of the season, and all of our coaches and our players are drinking by at the time, and myself included. Uh, remember, this is... You know, this is early 2017, really at the height of buys hyper growth. And, and I just had a, a light bulb moment, Christy. I said, hold on, can we take organic lemon water and give it the flavor profile of buy? Uh, little did I know that, you know, a little less than four years later, buy would be the, the competition. But that's how it started. And, you know, I didn't run out of the, the locker room or the video room that day and, and, and say, let's, here we go. I'm going to go, I'm going to leave college coaching and go start, go start a, a, a business. But the, the season ended and, and typically at the end of every season, when you're coaching, you know, you, you take a few days at the end of the season to just catch your breath. And I, and I went to Los Angeles and I was having lunch with a friend. And at the lunch, I was telling John about this idea that I had. <laughs> And, and he said something that, that changed my life and, and is changing several lives now every day. He said, anything that you can build that can capture a piece of someone's daily routine, what they do in the morning when they first get up or what they do at night when they go to sleep or any point B, C, D, E in between is worth going for. And I jumped up and I said, John, I, I've got it. We're going to go build the morning, the morning drink, right? And Obviously, Lemon Perfect has become much more than just a part of people's morning routine, but it's certainly a great choice to jumpstart your day and, and beyond. So, you know, that's that's how it started. I, I ended up that night, I was staying with John from, from his apartment in Santa Monica. I Googled how to start a beverage brand. And this was um, uh, April of, of 2017. And now here we are, what, a little a little more than four years later and uh, several millions of bottles sold. Well, that is incredible. I don't think I knew all the details of your story. So did anyone try to talk you out of it? I mean, water, right? There's a lot of water brands. And was there anyone who was, and, and you weren't, this wasn't what you did for your whole life. I mean, you were doing something that had no relationship to being an entrepreneur. So how how did you actually decide to keep going? Like, I'm sure there must've been people like, You're, this is going to take a lot of work and be really hard. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, here's the thing. I didn't know anyone in food or beverage at the very, you know, outset of this journey, the first couple of months. So I had no one that said, you're crazy. I think there was there was a, a certainly a sentiment from my friends. You know, here you are. You've had an incredible career coaching college basketball, and now you're going to take a breath and, and, and go do this. So I think there was there was certainly some of that. You know, it's probably a good thing that I didn't know anyone in food and beverage, Christy, because they would have all told me, don't do it. I probably wouldn't have, right? Yes, um, yes. You know, My activity is great for entrepreneurs, I think, in some ways, just not knowing. I mean, if you look at Buy, for instance, who we just discussed, that was a, a first-time beverage uh, entrepreneur, Ben Weiss. And, and that story, you know, has repeated itself time and, and, and time again. I mean, even going back to the 
Seth Goldman at, at Honest Tea, for instance. I mean, there's just there's yeah. so many examples. But but I um, once I left Nevada and started to put a few dollars towards coming up with a, a, a formula, our first formula, you know, then I was then I was two feet in and we haven't looked back really since Christy. And, and, and um, you know, I'm glad that I didn't have quote unquote smart food and beverage people around me because I think the story would be very, very different. And we've continued. I mean, candidly, we, we've continued to, you know, go against the grain on a lot of important decisions that we've made. And it's at least to this point, certainly proved to be beneficial. Can you talk about some of those decisions that you feel have been against the grain? Because I think that's a really interesting kind of topic for people who are listening, who don't know what to do or trying to figure it out or following all the the conventional rules. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the big one for, for me and for us, and, and I don't think I'm, I'm on the podcast with you today if, if we don't make this decision, but we launched as a keep refrigerated item, again, largely because of just not knowing, you know, how to build a winner in beverage. And we, we had, a, you know, really good story brewing. Our velocities and the retailers that we were in, now we were, you know, when we launched, we launched, we sold our first bottle uh, in September of 2018 at Bristol Farms in Southern California. And, and you know, we, we were inch wide and a mile deep, I mean, early, which was, that was, that was a really smart strategy, right? I mean, we, we, we focused on winning in Southern California and winning in natural grocery stores. So, so we had, you know, Arowana, Bristol Farms, Lazy Acres. That was our core group early. It was 22 stores at the time. Those banners have expanded by a couple of stores each in the time since. But, but we were laser focused on winning, you know, underneath those roofs. And we built a great data story. I mean, an incredible data story, which then made us attractive to a couple of regions of Whole Foods. And it was kind of, here we go. And, you know, as I started to learn more about the space, I realized that you can't dream big and keep refrigerated environment. There's just no way. You're not going to be able to be attractive to a strategic in the long run that doesn't have that distribution network, right? You can't build a display activity. You know, for me, the story of being accessible for everyone is very dear to my heart. And the distribution is paramount to that, you know, to being able to be authentic and true to that dream or that story. And what I would tell you is, given our early momentum and given that, you know, when you have to be in a refrigerated environment, you have to go and be merchandised in a cooler you know, there was a general sentiment of, in my network of beverage advisors, call it, that, that we should stay cold and build the brands cold in the produce set. And I just, you know, I, I looked at it and I said, this is, this is not, you know, this is just not how we can build it. And, you know, I made the decision to basically tell all the retailers that we had authorizations in that we were going to flip from produce to grocery, become a shelf-stable item, leave all of that on the table, and not sell against the cold business until we came out of the quote-unquote cave with the, with the fully shelf-stable item. And, and, you know, we've gone now from 
probably at some point imploded. And, and we may have been there already because of COVID-19 and the lack of ability to sell online with a cold chain item through that turbulence to being in a position now where a little over two years since selling our first bottle of shelf-stable product, this will be a $60 million retail business this year in, in 2022. That's incredible. How did you, what did you have to do to the product to become shelf-stable? Did you have to change it at all? So we didn't change the, we didn't change the ingredient deck at all. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we added organic flavor to the original formula to ultimately the best way of saying this is to preserve the flavor profile of the original formula. Yep. We use a process called aseptic processing, HTSD, high temperature, short time. Yep. The most minimally impactful process, kill step process that allows for nutritional integrity and flavor integrity, okay? But there is still a heating process that Lemon Perfect undergoes that we did not have when we were running HPP, high pressure processing. And to be able to support some of the degradation of flavor that happens through heat, we just added or increased the, uh, the ratio of flavor to the product. And what I would tell you, Christy, is when we measure the nutritional deck of our HPP product versus our product today, it's very, very similar. And I'm not sure that the product today is not a better product than what we had. And it's, you've got 12 months of, of shelf life dry versus yeah. you know 120 days. And that was stretching it cold. And, and so the entire you know, the entire business changed really overnight. How happy are you now today coming out of COVID that you made that decision? Because what would have, what would life have been like if you had had to go through COVID with the only refrigerated? It sounds like it would have been terrible. I think it would have been the electric chair, to be honest, Christy. I think, you know, we, we, we and if not that, we would have been on death row. Um, sure. You know, I, I, I think about it often. You know, candidly, the, the journey of an entrepreneur is, is made of a few big bets over time, right? Yeah. I think it's, yeah. you know, and, and for me, it's been, uh, we changed our packaging before we even launched the product. You know, that was a, a, a big moment where I had to call 40 of our original investors and tell them that, hold on, we were going to probably be, you know, six months delayed to shelf um, wow. because I had to go rebuild the, the packaging, the brand, and we can get into that, you know, if, if, if you'd like. And then, and then certainly the, the keep refrigerated, the shelf stable decision. And then I, I would say just who you either hire or don't hire at the leadership level will ultimately impact uh, the survivability of the business, right? And, and so we've been able to make uh, good big bets. We've certainly made a lot of bets and not out smaller bets. And a lot of those have, have not worked, but we, we've, we've taken big bets on, on, on a few things. And, and, you know, we've got a few more big ones coming, you know, in the not too distant future around innovation and, and, and the like. But I would argue that, you know, our business, if it was still, you know, in play is probably one tenth the size that it is today. 
Um, um, we have we have over seventy people at the company. You, you wouldn't be you wouldn't have a, a team that big because remember when you when you have a key refrigerated item, you know most of the time outside of a few you know markets where you have refrigerated delivery to the store through a DSD network, you, you'd be going direct and you know you wouldn't be touching the product. You wouldn't be building the big display activity. And, and, you know, so the answer is I, I things would be very, very different. I mean, very, very different. We certainly wouldn't be waking up every morning thinking that we can disrupt the way that people drink water. We wouldn't be waking up every morning thinking that we could have a material impact on the health of the American consumer. We wouldn't be waking up every morning thinking that we can build a billion dollar business. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 that was the big pivot. I mean, that was the big, big pivot. You know, I, I'm, I'm just, I guess, relieved that the timing was what it was. Remember, I mean, again, we, we ran our first shelf stable product December of 2019, and we loaded into Amazon in February of 2019. That's right? crazy. Isn't that, isn't that unbelievable? Uh, I'm sorry, 2020, right before, right before Amazon stopped accepting new items. So isn't that something we, we actually, it is, it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, we, we actually were probably about two weeks away from being on Amazon as a new item when the, when the pandemic first hit. And uh, some of our biggest days on the platform are still in those first couple of months, you know, believe it or not. And Amazon, you know, continues to be just an incredible piece of our business. But yeah, that's the, I mean, we're, we're, we're weeks away. And, and to be honest, we were at the very outset of our, our next round of financing at that time. And we used our early Amazon data to propel that financing even through the dislocation of, of the, the early dislocation and before kind of you had that V-shaped recovery in the, in the public markets. I mean, we were raising money in March of 2020 and, and getting wires uh, as the world was turning upside down because our, our brand was was literally on fire. That's incredible, really, because that's, you know, I started the podcast then because people were not getting funded and people stopped writing checks. And there was this big sort of like, what's going to happen next? And I wanted to do something. And it's yeah. so interesting to me and such a testament to you guys that you got to that place where you actually could continue to raise capital during that period. That's amazing. Amazing and yeah. very, very unique. I mean, there are not yeah. many stories like that. That's for sure. Well, Christy, you know, I think the key to, the, the key to raising capital for, for me has been, you know, to be able to be a great storyteller, right? Okay. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, we have, a, we have a, a, a product that has captured the early imagination of the American consumer for sure. And our investors are included in that. There's magic in a bottle. But beyond that, we've really always had a compelling story to tell. And, and the story largely is on the foundational bedrock of Big Tam, right? And when you could put really compelling data story in front of an investor, 
around velocity, right? There's an appetite there. And, uh, you know, we skyrocketed in, in March of, of, of 2020. And, and, and then you have a very quick recovery of the public, you know, equity markets. And so we had set out to raise $2.2 million in a, in a convertible note. Or, and we ended up keeping that note open through June when you get this incredible recovery and we ended up raising 6.6 million dollars so that that was that was just the, again we we were able to, to weather that that storm you know and, and and that certainly propelled us to to where we are now so i have so many questions for you when you first started and you talked about your your initial investors how did you go about that was that friends and family was that did you do a different kind of raise at the beginning yeah, you know, Chrissy, I um so <laughs> I knew there were two things I knew. One one was we had to win on taste. So I I, I didn't make a lot of money coaching basketball, but I had saved up um, enough to be able to do the initial formula work and and then the IP work around our name. So I, I knew I knew two things. One come up with a great tasting formula that checked the boxes on the relevant nutritional circles that the American consumer was, that would resonate with the American consumer, right? So for me, it was great taste, zero sugar. Let's figure out if we can be organic. And, and that was really the, the, those were the pillars that I wanted to build on. And then, and then create a product that was, that was, uh, crushable and thirst quenching and, and, and creative one. So we, so that, that was one. And then I've been fanatical, maniacal. I don't know what the right word is, both those words around protecting our IP really from day one. So, I mean, we registered the tro- the trademark the day that I bought the domain name on godaddy.com. So anyway, we, we had those two things, name and formula, and, and there was no, multiple SKU portfolio at the beginning. It was Lemon Perfect was what our Just Lemon product is today. And so I'm running around with uh, half gallon jugs of the formula of the product and a one sheet that had a mock-up of our bottle on it, right? Or what our bottle would look like. And my that's what I had for our first couple of meetings. And and they couldn't have gone worse. I got laughed out of the rooms, candidly, Christy. And I said, okay, I think we need to build out a little bit more of a deck and a story. We did that. And my first great meeting was with was with a, 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 a friend of a friend's name was, was, well, I won't, but his name's called Danny. And we met at the Smith uh, on the Upper West Side uh, in, in Manhattan. And it was an early morning meeting and we were set for coffee. I come in with my, with my cooler and this deck. And, and he says, oh, I love the product. This is awesome. I don't know anything about food or beverage, but I love you. And I'm in, uh, let me just check with my wife on the amount. Right. And so then he, <laughs> he sends me, he sends me a text a couple of hours later. He says, I need samples for my wife. And so I remember I was still on the West side I was, I moved back in with my mom and dad on the Upper East Side. 
And so I, I'm, I'm sprinting for a crosstown bus to go back up to the apartment, get more samples. I was pouring the half gallon jugs into little four ounce bottles that I was buying on Amazon.com. And so now I'm back on the crosstown bus going back. And then he calls me that night. He says, my God, my wife and my kids love this. We're in, we're in for $50,000. And I want you to go talk to my friend, Joe, who has invested in a couple beverage brands. And then I met with Joe, I think it was a, a Friday of that week. And we met at Grand Central Station. And Joe said, I'm in for 50000 I want you to go meet my friend, Mike. And um, then I met with Mike the next week. And, and, and he's in for 100000 I mean, Christy, we... Wow. We ended up taking investments from 40 investors in our pre-revenue seed round. That's unbelievable. Um, and uh, the smallest check was $5,000. We got four $100,000 checks. All friends and family, angel investors. It was, I didn't solicit. After that first meeting, uh, there was almost no outbound. It was all, That's um, it, it kind of went viral and those investors are marked up today almost 7x. And so, you know, we'll see if we can keep it going. But but that was the group that started it all, right? And they they didn't make a bet on Lemon Perfect. They they made a bet on me and, and being yeah. a jockey of this horse. And you know, yeah. for that I'm forever grateful. They they should have gone across the street and bought, you know, X dollars worth of lottery tickets it, it, at the time would have been a better investment, candidly speaking, right? I mean, the, 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 the rate of survival in beverage. So, um, so low, so low. Yes. I mean, it's, 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 you know, we talk about this concept of, of hard, not impossible with our team all the time. And uh, beverage would be amongst, I, I think, the lowest odds in anything that you could possibly do. To get to 10 million revenue is about a one in in 100 proposition. Uh, we've done that, you know, to get to, you know, $100 million in revenue is about a one in 10,000 proposition. And we're, we're certainly tracking towards that. So, so, but again, like it goes back to taste. It goes back to just the belief in our ability to, to, to hire the right people. The IP is strong. And then the, you know, as we've gone through it, there is scarcity in beverage once you cut through the chaos and somehow get to the middle of the mountain, call it, right? We're now in a in a in playing in a game of rarefied air. Think about a football field, right? If if you start on your own 25-yard line, very rarely do you even make a first down, right? We've We've made a couple of first downs and we're probably right around the 50 and, and certainly a lot of fields left to, to try to go down, but, but we're in the game and we're squarely in the game. And, you know, our story as it sits today has probably never been more compelling based on the data that we have in the competitive category and the momentum for what we know is right around the corner so great. It's a great story. And also, I think it's a real testament to you and your leadership and your just your passion around what you're doing, because I do talk to a lot of investors also, and they always talk about the founder and how important that is. And so your data obviously matters. And especially once you get to a certain point, you've got to keep proving that you can pull through and that people still care. But 
I think that the way that you approached it at the beginning was so compelling. And even talking to you the first time I met you, I mean, your energy and passion around it is contagious. It, it definitely is. And I'm sure that that's why you had people offering you money versus what most people do, which is go and talk to everyone they know. So you're making it sound a little too easy. So I'm sure there are challenges that have happened along the way. What are you, what are some of those? Like, what's the biggest challenge you guys are facing? You know, you're talking about being in the middle of the field right now. That's probably a really, actually, in some ways, a hard place to be. So how do you get from there to where you want to go? Yeah, and 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 Christy, what I'll say is that the journey has had unimaginable darkness. That that from day one. I mean, my job is is in a front-facing capacity to always have positive energy and indomitable spirit of let's persevere and figure out how to survive in advance, we call it, especially early on. I mean, night after night of calling my mom and crying on the phone about how are we going to figure this out? I mean, we we had a, a early on, before we raised that second round, we had a missed payroll where we were negative eight thousand dollars in the bank. I mean, it, it, it and the stories go on, right? I mean, being told no by retailers early on, obviously the cold chain problems, and 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 you know, look, I mean, every day I, I'm facing challenges, incredible challenges. I mean, scaling a beverage brand is beyond beyond hard, uh, not impossible, but very very challenging. And you know what I what I would tell you is. We're very focused on on share stomach and growth versus our bottom line. And I think that becomes the greatest challenge for us, right, is is needing to continue to rely on capital partners uh, to build build the business. Now, we might only be one capital raise away. We've we've raised $62 million and, and, and you know, we've got an incredible amount of cash on the balance sheet right now, but we are not a profitable business. We have a path to get there, a very compelling path now today, more so than we've ever had because of agreements with, 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 or soon to be signed agreements with contract manufacturers. Um, uh, from day one, I have told our, our investor group that we were going to prioritize growth and share of stomach versus free cash flow or the bottom line. And I've never deviated from that. But, you know, you have, there are, there are macro headwinds that, that we're starting to see, right? And, you know, you just, you just want to, you know, there's always noise, right? And so I think the, 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 the biggest challenge for me is not listening to, you know, the, the noise and just continuing to build, to build our business, you know, in the way that we've set out to do it. And so I think a lot of, a lot of building a a business is just putting blinders on and following your heart. We have been great stewards of our capital and we've made bad decisions. There's no doubt about that, but you know, in our last financing, we had 41 notices of pro rata that were sent out, and we had 39 entities take full or more than full uh, pro rata participation rights. You know, for me, that's signaling that that you know we're doing we're doing what we plan to do. I mean, yeah. you know, we're very transparent with our capital partners. 
I make myself, we have over 200 investors and certainly to our major investors, I'm, I'm very, very accessible, but, but, you know, you, you just, as you build a business, Christy, everyone has an opinion. Of course. And for me, um, tuning out that noise and continuing to focus on our team and on the plan is probably, I think that's, that's going to be the most important thing for me as I go forward. Now, we got to put the right internal people around the table. That's for sure, right? I've done this for four years without a C-level hire. And, oh. you know, I'm self-aware enough to know that, that, that I need help and we need help. And yeah. we're, we're actively searching uh, for operational excellence right now to help come and, and, and build the business with us. Wow, that's incredible. There's just so much... So much interesting stuff. And I, I think it's fascinating the way you're approaching it, because I know, you know, there's a point in time where a lot of investors I've spoken to want you to be profitable. And so is that where you feel like you're at yet or do you not have that issue yet? You know, here's what I'll say, Christy, is there's for us and for me and for our team and for our investors. Yes. There's, there's a dilution math equation, but really there's one number on the board that matters and that's the last one. And for me, a couple hundred million dollar net revenue business that is profitable is a valuable, valuable business. And that's where we're tracking towards. It will take significant capital for us to get there but we're more than halfway home on what we think it will take us to get there in terms of total dollars raised to date. And look, there's no one that's more impacted by dilution or raising dilutive equity than me. And it's not even close. I mean, it's not even close. And like, that's what I try to reiterate is that, look, I I would rather not have to raise $1 again it'd be nice to own hundred percent of this business. We're not living in reality. If that's the case, right? Like the only thing I want to do is post a W on the scoreboard. I want to win. Yeah. Uh, I want to chase down liquidity some way, somehow at some point and build a brand with staying power. Yeah. There's nothing more important right now than getting people to try love and perfect. Yeah. Okay. And there are only so many levers that you can pull. The one where, where we are, are really seeing an unbelievable ROI on is is retail programming and retail execution. Both of those levers, they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Our trade spends relative to our, I shouldn't say that, our trade spends in line with emerging beverage brands. But for me to take that down today and artificially depress the number of new customers that we can bring into the brand, that doesn't make any sense or just depress the people that we can bring. That doesn't make any sense to me. When people drink Lemon Perfect, more than seven out of 10 come back. It's incredible. It's it's unheard of. Yep. I mean, it's actually unheard of. It's never happened before. And so like for me, my biggest priority right now is building a retail programming and retail execution strategy that allows people or the customers to walk into a store, 
find lemon perfect, sample lemon perfect, and then come back, right? And then you create this flywheel of, you know, an omni-channel flywheel where, you know, the customer that's walking into retail store X is now buying the product on R.com, on Amazon, on Instacart through retailer X, right? Which is fantastic. But it's the best, it's the best and most efficient customer acquisition tool. So if I all of a sudden say, okay, our trade spend is going to be half of what it is this year. Well, now we're thousands and thousands of customers that shop tags are not going to come into the brand. And then you just don't get the retail display yeah. Yeah. space, which when you put, when you put lemon perfect on display with promotional tags, the product, you cannot keep the product in the store. And so I'm going to continue to build towards that. And then we have to be able to have the headcount to support that, right? Right, right. Um, and people are expensive. Yeah. And, and, and so we have, again, I think we're, we've already built the plan out all the way through 2026. I mean, we, we are thinking a thousand days in the future. And I love our path ahead. But today... We're in growth mode. We're we're a relatively hybrid business. The net revenue versus net loss curve continues to improve. And again, like there are only two ways out of this office for me. One is in a box, and two is with some coins in my pocket. <laughs> and I'm going to go with the coins in my pocket option. And the truth is, if we don't win, they are going to have to wheel me out of here. There's there's no other way for me, right? And, and you know, I, I guess I take some comfort in knowing that if we don't cross the finish line, you know, at least I won't have to see what ultimately... Oh, God, that's dark. That know? is very dark, yes. And, and, and so, uh, but that's the truth, right? I mean, and, and, and probably an area where I have to, you know, get better is, you know, making sure that, that even if we don't win, that actually isn't the outcome, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and the people around us have been great. I mean, we, we, you know, I've, I've made certain decisions around my, my health that have really, I think, improved my ability to operate the business, right? I, I, I mean, I, I used to wake up at 4.20 a.m. And, and, and get in the gym. Now that it's 6.20 a.m., so very, very big difference, right? And prioritize sleep and, and you know, try to eat well. You know, I, I, I hired my, my little brother, who has a culinary background that he now, you know, he now cooks for me. So just, we've just tried to, to, to make some decisions to really help us scale the business. But we put a plan on the board when we took our first dollar of capital in and we've never deviated from that. And I'm not going to start today because of any noise from the outside. Like, yeah. you know, when you talk to the big banks that ultimately will be on our team to, you know, sell this business. I mean, they're, they're in complete alignment. Right. So, you know, that, that, that's comforting. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I love what you're doing. I think it's interesting. You know, you use a lot of sports analogies, obviously that's your background. I would imagine that that's how you keep yourself going to like some of those sort of same techniques that athletes use to get themselves excited and make sure that they don't, you know, when you have those dark moments that you're not giving up because of that. Sounds like that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, listen, it, you know, Christy, it's a scoreboard business. It's a make miss game. I think part of the reason why we are having the early traction that we're having is because we do, we, we look at this, like, 
not one game, right? Yep. I mean, it's 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 more like a, you know several you know several games, right? Almost like the NCAA tournament, where yeah. you know yeah. each fiscal year is another game, right? Yeah. And so it's it is that concept of surviving next, but. But, you know, there's a lot of preparation to make sure that when the lights come on, we're ready to perform at the highest level. And, and yeah. um, we do. We, I mean, we it is a physically taxing game that we're playing every day. So, you know, yeah. we, we use sports analogies, you know, that I've, I've learned from my previous bosses. I mean, Coach Amaker at Harvard, he always used to talk about this concept of let's make sure that we give our players clear minds and fresh legs so that when, when the lights come on and we step between the lines that we can, you know, we can compete at the highest level. And we do that here, right? We talk about the same concept, clear mind, fresh legs. We have unlimited PTO. We encourage our people to take it, but when we're on, we're on and we're sprinting hard uh, and we're competing at the highest level and we're going right after the competition. We, uh, we meet as a group and an all company group, every Friday morning. And at the end of that Zoom, we put a slide on the board and it's the, the category, right? And it's, we have 13 brands that we consider competitive. Vitamin Water, by market share is number one. Right now we're in the seventh spot. We just crossed the one share mark uh, two weeks ago, which is an incredible milestone to have a one share less than two years in. Amazing. Um, but the finish line is vitamin water and they have about a 45 share of the category and we won't stop until we are the category leader in enhanced water by, by market share. And, um, you know, that's, you, you have to have a North star that you're chasing every day. Your people need to know what they're getting after. We have everyone here is a stockholder. Everyone has a piece of equity. Every single person that's full time. And I want them to believe, I want them to believe that we can do that. And, you know, Christy, when we get there, when we cross that finish line, not only will we have built an incredible business, possibly the biggest beverage business, uh, emerging beverage business of, of all time, but we'll also have created a, a, a brand that will have materially impacted the health of the American consumer and removed millions and millions of pounds of sugar from the American diet, especially in the most underserved communities. And that duality, right, of, of building a great business, but also a business that can do good is, is that is rare to be able to jump with both feet into that circle or those two circles you know, it gives us a, a, a really great thing to, to wake up for and go chase every morning. And we're very committed to that. We talk about it over and over and over again. But, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderfully exciting, not just getting started. You know, like I said earlier, we have a lot of fields left to go and, 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 uh, and run down. Awesome. That's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. And I'm so happy we got to chat for so long. And, I hope we'll do it again because I still have loads of questions and I think this is so inspiring and it's going to do a great job of getting people to understand what it takes and also hopefully know that they can do it if they really, really, really want to. So thank you so much for your time. Christy, this was a lot of fun. I'd love to come back anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.